Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, Madhu Chamardi. Madhu, you are the founder and CEO of Beyond HQ. You're found on the web at beyondhq.co. Madhu, we're going to be talking about distributed workforce, distributed office, distributed planning, which is the world right now. What an incredible space for you to find yourself in pre-pandemic. Who knew? (laughs) Who knew indeed? (laughs) <laughs> and most people didn't think to put uh, a global pandemic in their threat box, but for you, you probably didn't think to put that in your <laughs> in your opportunity box. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it's it's kind of sad what happened on one front. But, oh gosh, uh, we yeah. Are, you know, it's uh, very exciting to uh, watch leaders of organizations around the world, you know, try to get ahead of what's ahead for the next few years and. Uh, how do you rethink your footprint? How do you rethink your hiring? How do you rethink your geographic locations around the country, around the world? So we are, as much as we are kind of preaching this new approach, uh, right, we're also learning from these leaders. And it's an incredibly, uh, uh, you know, valuable and uh, it's a privilege to, to be doing what we're doing. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. So what made you think to get in this space? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I mentioned, it's um, kind of three years at this point, this idea has been playing in my head, right? So just a bit of context. So um, I've been working in B2B SaaS for the last 17 years. Uh, This is a a startup number five for me. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, around the 2018 timeframe, a couple of trends led me to start thinking in this direction. Trend number one is the increasing difficulty for coastal tech companies and coastal companies generally, like in San Francisco and New York and to a certain extent Seattle oh. and other markets, yep. saying, hey, it's, it's just getting unsustainable for us to scale locally. And I remember talking to venture capitalists uh, that would uh, recommend to their entire portfolio, stop hiring in San Francisco and stop, you know, paying a lot of mm-hmm. uh, expensive real estate costs in San Francisco. Go elsewhere. Go to Denver. Go to Austin. Go to Toronto. And so the need for growing distributed was rapidly kind of becoming the norm, at least in those two parts of the country. Yeah. And that's you know, and and you can imagine uh, jokes from venture capitalists saying half my portfolio investments are going into the pockets of landlords. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so so that was a. And that, that's first trend number one. And trend number two was Amazon's HQ2 process that unfolded around the same time, where what blew my mind is how various cities across the country, and certain extent in Canada, submitted these extensive data-filled pitches to say, you need to come to our market, and we are a fertile ecosystem of talent, and you need to really scale an organization like Amazon in Texas or in Ohio or in you know uh, Utah or in you know Toronto. So combining those two, the thought was, you know, 
this is not a problem for just the Amazons of the world. If we believe fundamentally that the future of work is distributed, uh, then what is a mechanism that companies can employ to more strategically, effectively scale their footprint versus uh, maybe I should go to Denver or my buddy tells me I should go to open in Austin. How can you get better than that? So that's got me thinking about what we're doing. And then fast forward a couple of years, we are where we are now. That's the abridged version. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking you were so right. I mean, it's like, listen, you know, if you're going to be in Silicon Valley or Bay Area or whatever, like, great, have your biz dev folks there, have your, you know, your JV, like your, your deal makers, right? That's yes. where they, that those folks need to be there. Do yeah. you need your tech support there? No way. Yep. That's right. <laughs> Please. Right. And there's yep. so many operations that, that now, yeah, it's no need at all. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, to that point, Josh, uh, some stats, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, for the major tech companies based here, the average tenure was uh, under a year. You know, so as it doesn't matter how much you pay them, right? The attrition continues. Somebody's mm. going to pay more, or some, there's always this this clash for talent. And and it's not like magic only happens in San Francisco, and New York. Magic happens around the country, around the world. You've got incredible talent in Columbus, Ohio. You've got fantastic talent in, uh, you know, Salt Lake City and, and you've got talent in, you know, other parts of the, the globe, really. So how do you um, wake up to recognizing that? That's only part of the problem. And then how do you employ the right uh, metrics to evaluate what is the right answer for you? What is right for engineering may not be right for sales. Right. And what's right for sales may not be right for support. So navigating the kind of, collaborative, inclusive way to evaluate whether it's five people or 500 people, uh, Mm. where to go next. I think that's the premise of uh, what we do. Yeah. Um, Talk about, um, you know, I'm really interested in, um, you know, kind of the attitudes or the expectations of both millennials and Gen Z for, I mean, and that's where that's where all the hiring, you know, most of the hiring is taking place in terms of, you know, a lot of these tech companies. So what are the, when it, when we think about distributed work, uh, you know, workforce, right? I, my belief is that it's kind of expected. I was talking to one guy who's, um, yeah. you know, kind of a lead engineer and he's like, you know, after the COVID thing is like, well, you know, okay, I think we should all be coming back to the office. He goes, there's nobody, nobody wants to come back to the office. And like, I've tried so many things, you know, you know, free lunch and all these other things. And people are like, nah, don't care. Don't want to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a very real thing. Right. Uh, uh, One thing I'll say, I guess, uh, in response to your question, uh, if you look pre-pandemic, uh, remote work, or at least partly, partially remote work, was already becoming uh, a reality in, in a number of industries. Tech, of course, was leading the charge and people were being uh, able to work remotely. Now, the biggest change, which I'm sure you and, and the folks listening understand, is this is no longer on the fringes. You know, all industries, almost all industries, um, and, and all kind of age groups and demographics are now waking up to the reality that I don't have to be in the office five days a week. Uh, so no. just, just let that sink in, right? Imagine if you're the head of people ops or the head of real estate for a 2000 person company, what you thought was 
hey, I've got an office here and I've got an office here and a couple of people in a WeWork and then I've got some remote workers. That was your reality pre-pandemic, right? From like you have five locations you have to track. Now you are probably tracking 50 locations because you're no longer just those big, maybe you don't get rid of your offices, you keep them. But then these enclaves of people start popping up because somebody relocated. Somebody says, hey, can I just get a flex space and work out of, uh, you know, Connecticut instead of coming to New York, et cetera, et cetera. So now the optimization challenge for the organizational leaders, it's much more complex and it's going to continue to change uh, every few months or so. Back to your question about sort of millennials and Gen Z, right? Um, They now expect, this isn't just a perk, this is just the reality of work. And this isn't just a a task for, or, or a requirement for, for Gen Z or, or millennials. I talk to companies there uh, whose average workforces uh, are, are kind of 45, 55. And if you're a family of four, family of six, uh, and two working parents, this is really optimal for you to be able to work at least a few days at home and then take care of business at home and work. So this requirement to A, not come into the office frequently, and B, can I just relocate and then C, as a team leader of 10, 15, 20 people, can I just have free reign on hiring people across the country? Because, you know, I don't have to restrict my hiring to just the city I'm in now. So all these are questions that uh, permeate up to the, the planning uh, of your organization going forward. Yeah. You know, one thing that I'm thinking about as well is I know one challenge has always been for employers is ensuring diversity. Well, mm-hmm. now with, you know, you know, being able to kind of open up, you know, the, the office. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, right. This becomes a little easier in at least yes. in theory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we are doing to that, uh, uh, to that point is companies now, one of the, 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 maybe the top three requirements they come and talk to us about is, Hey, show us where diverse workforces are. We now have more flexibility than ever before to go to where they are versus looking where we are, right? So that's a big distinction. So some of the companies that we're talking to are roughly sort of uh, the the ones that I'm currently thinking about, 2,000 employees, 3,000 employees, you know, 900 employees. So, you know, reasonably uh, large. And on the the larger front, we're talking to companies that are 50,000 employees. And their questions are, tell me where there's diverse workforce, but not just because of diversity in the general population, I would like to understand, uh, you know, uh, uh, breakdown of the, the skill sets that I want mm-hmm. by diversity. So where are there more African-American uh, technology workers? Where are mm-hmm. there, you know, Hispanic American sales uh, leaders? So that level of granularity is really valuable and, and um, uh, company, and it's a CEO level priority, right? It's not just a recruiter trying to check the boxes. Uh, it's the, this need for diversity is permeating the boardrooms and the exec uh, decision chambers as well. So um, now companies do have the ability to expand their horizon, expand their uh, 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 kind of hiring areas and truly go where the people are uh, without sacrificing productivity, without sacrificing office culture, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, Madhu, obviously, there are uh, 
probably pain points. What are some of the biggest pain points that you're hearing from the clients that you're working with right now in terms of like, man, we're not doing this right. Madhu, help us. (laughs) What are they complaining about? Where does it hurt? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, the first couple of points to say, right. One is there's a huge um, feeling of kind of feeling like a deer in headlights because of the changing nature of the pandemic, right? Whatever mm. policy we set in place looks like, if, if the last 18 months are of any proof, is set to be in flux. So how can help us build some kind of a plan for our workforce that is flexible and changeable and adaptable? And just, just where do we start? Uh, if, you're, if I'm the head of people operations for uh, you know, a thousand person company, I've got 50 different areas to manage here. I have to manage employee travel. I have to manage remote work policies, expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So just generally give me some constructs to say, here are the seven things to track to build a kind of a flexible hybrid work policy. That's one ask that we hear, right? The second thing that's really shaking up organizations is historically, we, we oftentimes talk with heads of real estate and heads of HR because they are the organizational sort of uh, stewards, right? To decide on how do you scale footprint? How do you scale workforce? Because talent and real estate are arguably 70 to 80% of your cost. So these are significant decisions. Um, and those leaders uh, historically were, were, were seen as uh, mostly a cost center. Now, as a result of the pandemic, they are kind of finding themselves essentially as first responders for their organization. Right? What policies you set influence hiring, influence productivity, influence mental health, influence safety. So now they're having this moment where they're like finally recognizing, being recognized as, hey, people ops and real estate, these functions are integral for us to build and retain uh, and future-proof our workforce. So they are starting to realize, hey, what is the right set of technology tools that we need to have at our disposal? What is the right set of policies given that we now have a seat at the exec table. Uh, and so those are those are the two examples of like common uh, first questions is, hey, now I have the CEO is looking to me to build uh, what is our workforce plan for the next 18 months? Where do we hire? How do we get them into the office? Do we embrace this flex work? Or do we just bring everybody back to the office? How do we meet diversity goals, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, those are the like, give me a plan to build a hybrid workforce and give me a plan to enhance diversity. Uh, Mm. What are the right data sets I need to use to convince the sales leaders and the engineering leaders and the support leaders and and operations leaders to decide uh, more collaboratively that this is the right way to move forward. So those are some examples. Yeah. Top of the mind questions we get. Generally, when uh, say a department has gone completely remote, um, I know one sensitivity is almost always about productivity. Like folks are at home, they're just they're just not turning in the volume of work that they were when we had them corralled here at the office. But I don't right. know if that's the case. Have you seen instances where oh my gosh, no productivity is much is actually improved, or yeah. certainly you know maybe it's like well yeah we took a little dip there, but people are really happy. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, what are those, ge- what are those um, really broad sweeping generalities maybe that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. So 
coincidentally, Josh, I, I happened upon a paper that was published a few days ago. I think it was a collaboration between Harvard University and Microsoft. And it was a pretty broad study of maybe 60,000 employees measuring productivity uh, and how it worked. And a couple of interesting takeaways. One is, inter so if you're a part of a team of 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, and now you're fully remote, the inter intra-team uh, relationships apparently just kind of extra, uh, deepened quite significantly. Mm. So you are now more connected to the people on your team than you were pre-pandemic as a result of kind of embracing wow. remote work and trying to stay connected. However, on the flip side, your connections with other departments outside of your team actually weakened quite significantly. So intra-team productivity was up and inter-team connections were, were weakened. So that's an interesting thing to understand. You kind of try to stay with your group and do whatever you can to make sure that this is going well. But the casual conversations or the intra-team, sorry, inter-team mingling that you run into the, the, the cafeteria, et cetera, there isn't those, uh, there, there yeah, aren't those opportunities, right. right? And then they call it um, hard work and soft work. Yeah. Hard work is your, your direct work. You have to create a presentation. You have to put a spreadsheet together. You have to be in a meeting and speak. And apparently that's, you don't necessarily need the office for that is that is the finding from that paper, right? But soft work is connection building and, hey, what do you think of my idea? Is this the right mm -hmm. thing to do? Those kinds of uh, activities are significantly affected and the office presents a really powerful advantage for you for those kinds of what they call soft work uh, uh, areas. So hard work and soft work. And then some areas have seen really good spikes in productivity, but the kind of cross team serendipitous conversations, whatever you think they're worth, yeah. certainly got uh, impacted pretty heavily. Yeah, right. Man, there's so much more that we could be talking about. I could talk about this for another hour at least. Um, Madhu, you are on the front lines of this right now. Um, your website is beyondhq.co. Uh, when folks go to that website, how would you recommend they engage? Yeah, well, first thing I'd say is um, uh, please take a look at our, our, our blog, right? We try to really, as much as we are about uh, you know, offering a platform that helps companies plan distributed teams. We're also about surfacing learnings from other industry leaders yeah. uh, as a way to inspire the community to say, hey, it's okay to not have an answer to what to do with your entire workforce right now. Here's just how you connect with other leaders and what other stories are. So definitely check out our blog, drop us a note. If you don't have a clear sense of what to do, but you just kind of like some of the things we've just discussed on this call, reach out and say, hey, I don't know if we're the right fit, but I am struggling with figuring out a distributed workforce plan. I need to figure out whatever this hybrid work is. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to support you in any way possible. And uh, if we get a chance to work together, great. If not, we have tons of uh, resources and industry experts to point you to. So uh, that's that's uh, here, here to help. Awesome. Madhu Chamardi, you're the founder and CEO of Beyond HQ, found on the web at beyondhq.co. Madhu, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Josh, for having me. Thanks so much.
Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review and we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.